Hi, everyone. This is Jim McCarty welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 29. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end, has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Gary Beam, Director of LL Research, and Austin Bridges, Assistant Director of LL Research, along with myself, husband to the late Carla L. Rucker, scribe for The Raw Contact, and the President of LL Research. Each of us, a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We, would, we will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise his own discernment and listen for her own resonance in determining what is true. If you would like to submit a question to the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearchsearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Are we all ready to go? I believe so. I am ready. Okay. We have a question here from, uh, not sure if it's Re or Rye, via Bring Forth. It'd be Rie. Rie. Okay. I like that. Rie asks... Ra talks about entities of either paths as using will and faith. Could you explain what this means, how it works, why it's significant for polarizing entities? And then Rie shows us some um, context from the Ra Contact 46.9. There's quite a bit here, so hold on. The entity polarizing positively perceives the anger. This entity, if using this catalyst mentally, blesses and loves this anger in itself. It then intensifies this anger consciously in mind alone until the folly of this red ray energy is perceived not as folly in itself, but as energy subject to spiritual entropy due to the randomness of energy being used. Positive orientation then provides the will and faith to continue this mentally intense experience of letting the anger be understood, accepted, and integrated with the mind-body-spirit complex. The other self, which is the object of anger, is thus transformed into an object of acceptance, understanding, and accommodation all being reintegrated using the great energy which anger began. The negatively-oriented mind-body-spirit complex will use this anger in a similarly conscious fashion, refusing to accept the undirected or random energy of anger, and instead, through will and faith, funneling this energy into a practical means of venting the negative aspect of this emotion, so as to obtain control over other self, or otherwise control the situation causing the anger. Control is the key to negatively polarized use of catalyst. Acceptance is the key to positively polarized use of catalyst. Between these polarities lies the potential for this random and undirected energy creating a bodily complex analog of what you call the cancerous growth of tissue. Now, all of this is in reference to the question about how will and faith are used. They want to know, Rie wants to know how we use will and faith in a process like this or for polarization in general. Gary, do you have any ideas? Firstly, I wanted to comment that... um, Again, the 
you as a narrator of the law of one was the best possible choice listening to you read that quote and then yes you should read an audiobook <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea uh i say that if the listening audience is unaware because jim has read recorded himself reading the law of one two consecutive times did you do it more than that just two two yeah and uh, that material right now is being worked by a volunteer and then will be worked by us to um, produce the, uh, the very first audiobook. And uh, Jim's reading of it is exquisite. Show in response to Rie. Um, <clears throat> I don't tackle so much how will and faith would be used in terms of a bodily condition like cancer, body-mind condition. But um, I do did try to tackle it in general. So – Say you don't develop will and faith. What happens? Uh, planet Earth. That's what happens. <laughs> uh, Ra describes the situation on this planet with regard to polarity as a, quote, sinkhole of indifference. It seems that we have a bunch of third-density repeaters here that chronically fail to make the choice and successfully graduate from third-density. They have not, in other words, they have not developed the faculties of will and faith. So to move in either direction and make the choice then requires becoming conscious and intentionally using the will to repeatedly make choices of service to others or service to self and to orient oneself mentally, energetically, vibrationally. And the whole process requires faith. Another way to look at this, uh, I have a few shorter raw quotes in 82.29, Ra says, <clears throat> and I'll preface this by saying, um, we are about to examine uh, the universe this octave before the advent of the veil. And I think in so doing that we'll shed some light on what will and faith are, <clears throat> how they um, became very important. In 82.29, Ra says, prior to the veiling process, the measurement would be that of an entity walking up a set of your stairs, each of which was imbued with a certain quality of light. The stair upon which an entity stopped would be either third-density light or fourth-density light. Between the two stairs lies the threshold. To cross that threshold is difficult. There is resistance at the edge, shall we say, of each density. The faculty of faith or will needs to be understood, nourished, and developed in order to have an entity which seeks past the boundary of third density. Those entities which do not do their homework, be they ever so amiable, shall not cross. It was this situation which faced the Logoi prior to the veiling process being introduced into the experiential continuum of third density. Two more quotes. These are shorter. In 85.19, Ra says, perhaps the most important and significant function that occurred due to the veiling of the mind from itself is not in itself a function of mind, but rather is a product of the potential created by this veiling. This is the faculty of will or pure desire. So again, Ra says, the most important and significant function that occurred due to the veiling was the faculty of will or pure desire. <clears throat> And then finally, in 54.29, uh, Ra says, we have addressed the filtering process by which incoming energies are, operative word here, pulled, by which incoming energies are pulled upwards according to the distortions of each energy center and the strength 
of will or desire emanating from the awareness of inner light. Um, <clears throat> so Ra describes a randomness to catalyst in the early stages of an entity's development until a bias is formed by the entity and the will activated to choose a path, Catalyst continues to strike the entity in a random manner. Um, because the will has not been harnessed, the faith has not been activated, and the journey has not really been charted. <clears throat> um, also, prior to the choice being made, um, the will may simply be dissipated, seeking non-polarized choices of continual distraction or sleep or gratification, avoidance, etc. So what I'm trying to say is um, <clears throat> evolution won't simply happen on its own. The entity won't be carried by a universe that will make choices for it. Uh, Ra uses the word pooled in that final quote that I referenced because the will is drawing that energy upwards through the chakras those lower chakras are not using the energy for their own lower level needs per se. Um, the will is pulling the energy up through those chakras. Certainly a minimum of energy is needed for each one. But as the entity unblocks, balances, and activated, activates those lower chakras, energy passes through them. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't dissipate there. It doesn't get diverted there. And that is a function of the will. So the will or pure desire, as Ra called it, or awareness of the inner light, as Ra also called it, organizes the self and points the self and determines a direction and increasingly disciplines the self in seeking and service. There is, of course, a complex and complicated interplay between unconscious and conscious will that's beyond the scope of my own understanding. But suffice it to say, the will charts the return path to the creator and sets the entity upon its journey and keeps the entity upon that journey and seeks the meaning of the journey and eventually surrenders in the realization that all is already whole, complete, perfect, and unified. But that ties into our next question. I yield the floor to the next distinguished guest. Austin, how about you? It's really hard to follow Gary sometimes because he covers everything. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So <clears throat> my definitions of will and faith, my personal definitions, were a bit less lengthy, uh, but they were in the same exact vein, I think, just a slightly different perspective. I would personally define will in this context to be a sort of recognition that we have the ability to choose and acting on that choice, uh, both of those things combined. And uh, how I would define faith in this context, because there are many contexts to the word faith, and I think some of them are not necessarily positive, but as Ra refers to it, and in this sort of spirituality, I think that faith is, without apparent evidence that it is true, believing that each moment contains love, especially those moments in which we do not perceive it to be true. And with will and faith combined, we're able to make a choice of love, despite the fact that it may not seem, from various perspectives, to be necessarily the best choice. But we have faith that the choice is worth making, and it is, in an ultimate sense, the best choice to make. And Rie asks a little bit about the negative path. 
and what that means for the negative path. And so uh, what I would say for that is that will is essentially the same, an awareness and ability to choose and then acting on that choice, but then faith for the negative path is possibly, in their eyes, uh, a faith that despite seeming circumstances, a situation can and will be controlled or brought into their power, a faith that there is an option for them to act upon a certain situation or a certain catalyst in a way which will bring them more power or bring them more control. And perhaps they will run up against a situation where taking complete control seems tiring or fruitless, but then they can act on a faith knowing that if it is put before them, it's within their grasp to control it and within their path and their choice that they should control it. So um, that's my best guess at what faith means for a negative entity. I don't think we have a lot of information to go on there. Um, And then Gary made me think of something when he said that... uh, the, what do you get without will and faith? You get the world, or earth, basically. It makes me think of uh, certain people uh, that I know of or that I've observed that um, taking this example that Ra gave in Rie's question about anger and how uh, the catalyst of anger can be used with will and faith. Some people might identify with anger or feel that anger is an inevitability and they don't realize that they have the choice to utilize that anger as a catalyst. And so somebody might say, well, when this happens, I just get so angry. And that's just, they leave it at that. They don't approach the anger. They don't deal with the anger. It becomes part of their identity. Um, it becomes something that is just part of their life and they don't really recognize that they have a choice uh, with that anger. They have a choice to approach that anger with love. They have a choice to balance it. They have a choice to not be angry in that situation and they can act on that and not be angry if they choose to. But there are a lot of people who don't even realize that we have the ability to use emotions and process emotions. I didn't before I came across the law of one. It was a novel concept to me until I found the law of one where Ra talks about how emotions can be approached and utilized for growth. And that was, my mind was just blown. It seems like such a simple concept, but I think that the earth is a result of a lot of people not realizing that the tangle of emotions that we find ourselves in uh, can be a choice rather than an inevitability. Those are my thoughts. How do you think? What do you think, Jim? Uh, Good job, Austin and Gary both. You guys have covered a lot of ground here. Um, When I see will and faith, I I realize that we're talking about spiritual terms, and I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm in the Bible. It says, Yea, though walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff are with me. It's always been my personal feeling that rod and staff in that instance refer to will and faith, and the valley of the shadow of death is the third density illusion. So I think that will and faith play upon each other to help us make progress on our spiritual paths. We are doing well when we can look at the uh, life we're living, the catalyst happening to us, and try to figure out a path through it to the Creator, a path that would be reflected in each of our actions, and so that we would be seeing the Creator in the people and events and circumstances around us. But in order to do that, we have to give value to the path that we're on, and we have to have some sort of a motivation 
to want to travel that path. And I think that the, the faith that such can be done is the motivation. But then to really get us going, I mean, the faith provides us with like a, an image, uh, maybe a 3D or even 4D image of, uh, of love, of unity, of light, of uh, cooperation, of um, the creator manifesting through everything we do. But in order for that faith to be able to be fleshed out into a full 3D or 4D picture, we have to generate some action. We've got to get going. We have to will ourselves forward. So I think that's where the faith really gives us the reason for the will. And then the will, by taking us further along the path, further reaffirms the faith that has brought us to this path and given us the energy really to begin it, to continue it, and to follow it through to uh, eventual unity. That that one fine moment when we finally turn our heads and we discover this is it. This is the creator. This is what I'm here for. And, and I give myself to the creator for the creator's will to be done through me. And I think that the uh, context that Rie gave there with uh, the negative and positive entities uh, is you know, one of many ways that we can use will and faith. That's a, a partial balancing process there that we can use with any kind of catalyst that comes our way so we can process it into experience. Because catalyst, without being processed uh, uh, mentally and uh, spiritually in the meditative state, uh, is not seated into our being. So uh, however we want to use um, the, the polarizing uh, positively or negatively for negative entities, that is something that we uh, can use our will and faith in accomplishing it. So uh, any final comments on this idea of will and faith and how to use it? I had two. One, um, Jim, I really appreciated your development of or examination of faith. It was something that um, I really didn't dive into in my own reply. And it made me, when you said it's, it's almost a, uh, an image, I really like that analogy and it made sense to me. Um, I recall that Ra likened faith to intelligent infinity. Basically said that uh, they're the same thing. They're identical, just different terms. Um, different ways of looking at it. And uh, so from that perspective, one might, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, one might see faith as the ultimate perspective, um, the largest container within which everything happens. And it's from the standpoint of the separate illusory self, then faith is um, tapping into that picture. It's a conduit or a thread or a channel or a faculty to um, regain that picture and inform the will, though I, I like the way Jim described it better. And my second thought was that uh, I also really appreciated how um, Austin noted that anger isn't an inevitability and one's experience in general doesn't... Uh, one's experience in general can be used. That everything... Um, is offering itself to us so that it can be used and transmuted and processed. And I think that is one very uh, radically empowering thing about the law of one. When you look at the word catalyst alone, how what a philosophy is contained within that word, that everything that happens to us is catalyst. And um, catalyst by definition means that it can catalyst, catalyze and accelerate our growth. Even even seeming deprivation and loss and limitation, that too. <laughs> and we have a fourth guest. Pickwick. <laughs> Pickwick uh, can be catalyst. But that is my final comments. Austin, any more comments from you? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I really appreciated both of your thoughts. Okay, well, um, there's about uh, seven or eight minutes left here. Matt's question also regards some about uh, the will, but it's from a little different angle. Maybe we could tackle that since we've already covered a good deal of it and be able to uh, complete that. What do you think? Yeah, I think they fit together nicely. Okay, yeah. this, is, this is Matt via email. He says, My question regards some aspects of the discipline of the personality and perhaps balancing. Ross stated in 52.7 that, quote, Your faculty of will is that which is powerful within you as co-creator. You cannot ascribe to this faculty too much importance, end quote. Ross also stated in 15.7, quote, the offering of self to self is the greatest service, the unity, the fountainhead. The entity who seeks the one creator is with infinite intelligence. And in 74.11, I think Rock expands on what they mention in 15.7 when they say, The heart of the discipline of the personality is threefold. One, know yourself. Two, accept yourself. Three, become the creator. The third step is that step which, when accomplished, renders one the most humble servant of all, transparent in personality, and completely able to know and accept other selves. Now, he asks then, how can we direct or strengthen our individual will and at the same time offer ourselves fully to the Creator? Offering to the Creator seems to mean that we go beyond our individual selves and reconnect with the One Infinite and act transparently, as Ra mentions in the term, rejoicing and doing as the One Infinite gives us or guides us. So, Austin... How do we direct or strengthen our individual will at the same time offer ourselves fully to the creator? Uh, before I start, uh, there was one part where you accidentally misspoke in one of the quotes oh. where uh, you said the offering of the self to self is the greatest service as the offering of the self to creator is the greatest service. Oops. Just a minor. <laughs> well, now all is one. Remember that. Yeah. That? <laughs> self is creator. So yeah. you're technically right. Yeah. Um, but that's a very good question. I think it comes up a lot in uh, the Law of One communities is how exactly do we have an individual free will uh, and why are we um, uh, encouraged to strengthen our will when we are also encouraged to allow our will to be the creator's will? And I think that there's a... It's a confusing question in third density because we require these personality shells that we are within for third density to be useful at all. And so I think that is the key is that uh, we have an individual will, but it is a, we have to recognize that that will is not necessarily different from the creator's will. And uh, if we strengthen that will, it kind of refines that to the point where uh, we remove the distortions between what would be our individual personality's will and the creator's will. And so in strengthening um, our will towards the creator, I think it closer unifies us with the creator and it doesn't necessarily uh, diminish us as individuals, but we kind of grow into the creator instead of shrink into nothing and then the creator takes over. Um, those are my short thoughts thoughts. Gary, what do you think about that one? I agree that it's a great question. Uh, where does the individual will end and the creator's will begin? Whose will is it that makes choices and steers the ship? Um, it's really a, a central question and metaphysically rich um, that I, I think is best answered in sustained long-term contemplation. It's also a question that necessarily runs into paradox because it takes in the scope 
of the paradox of the one and the many infinity and finity um as Austin did, uh, there's there's a both to it. There is uh, our will and the Creator's will simultaneously. Uh, the will is our will. It is the will that, as Ra describes, uh, decides and determines to do the homework, to learn the lessons, to understand and use the catalyst available to it. Again, uh, catalyst doesn't use itself for you. You decide to use your life experience to grow and to learn. So at this experiential nexus, we find ourselves to be entities separate from everything. Illusory though that is, that's our state. Uh, So our development starts in this reality, so we must therefore operate on the basis that we have our own will. Um, Though that will is, of course, an expression of the one infinite creator, because there is nothing other than the one infinite creator. Uh, But where does that personal or individual will, however illusory it may be, meet the greater will? When, so far as I understand this question, it is when the individual will practices non-attachment to outcome. That is to say, when that individual will makes its, does its best, it makes its best analysis of the catalyst, it seeks its highest understanding and places its best foot forward, but then decides to release attachment and expectation and allow the cards to fall where they may, to trust that whatever the outcome, all is well, all is perfect, and evolution will unfold as it will. So there is both the discipline and development of the individual will and its eventual release and turning to the greater will of the one. It's a marriage, in a sense, a partnership or a cooperation between both the use of and surrender of the will. Uh, To use a metaphor, it is the captain who sets a course for her ship with the firmest of intentions and works, uses her will, to fulfill that course and that intention as she passes through space and time and strives to refine that course and that intention as new circumstances are encountered, but in the end trusts that no matter where she heads, she cannot make a mistake. It is the captain who seeks to have her will informed by the one in the silence of her heart, to have her objectives aimed upon service, and to desire more than anything union with the one creator. So she ventures forth upon her adventure. She listens to the wind and monitors the waves, adjusting her sails and rudder accordingly to to steer the ship in the desired direction. So she is doing her part to cooperate with the circumstances and inner promptings of the moment, but she is trusting that the true ocean upon which she sails is a metaphysical one, and wherever her earthly voyage takes her, she was always in and with the one creator. And the more that she can relax and trust and release attachment to outcome and express praise and thanksgiving for whatever circumstance greets her, no matter how challenging, the more that the individual's separate will becomes a conduit through which the creator's will may express itself and ultimately operate the ship upon which she sails. Uh, Jim, what do you think? Uh, I really like your answer, Gary, Uh, especially uh, giving over the will to the creator by uh, um, just doing what what you can and then being open to the creator moving his his or her own voice through you. how do we direct or strengthen our individual will? 
I think we do that by exercising it. Uh, it you know, it's like a muscle. But I think as we exercise it with the idea that we want to eventually do the Creator's will, as Jesus said, not my will, but thy will, he was asking that perhaps the cup of crucifixion be passed by him. But he said, not my will, thy will. So at some point, there is um, an infusion of the Creator's will into our beingness. I think that it starts, I mean, if you remember and believe that the Creator's everywhere, including inside of you, as close as your breath, then there is always the chance of communicating with the Creator at any time. And I think that the uh, faculty that's usually called intuition or that still small voice, I think that is the beginning of the Creator communicating with us at a very, very early age. And the more that we can keep that still small voice alive, then the larger the voice grows in our life. And I think that as we exercise our own individual will, doing what we feel is best in order to seek the Creator on our spiritual journey and stay open to, as Gary said, the, uh, the voice of the Creator, uh, that still small voice inside, I think that that is the way that we can eventually become aware of more of what is the Creator's will and not just our will. I think that the Creator can embroider upon our choices, and eventually, as we are aware of the Creator's embroidering and how the Creator is nudging us perhaps in one way or another, we can take the hints and go that direction, then we can get more hints, more nudges, more more of a voice coming from the Creator within. So that's my thought. Has anybody got any final thoughts as we bring this episode to a close? I do. Um, in contemplating Matt's question, <clears throat> and Austin, this was a great arrangement of two questions. They really fit together nicely. Uh, something occurred to me that hadn't quite before, and I don't know how correct it is, but it, logically it seems to make sense. Uh, one potential way to conceptualize uh, um, the spectrum of will from on one end the very personal will to the will of the all is to examine it in terms of chakras and it's you could kind of see that each chakra has its voice it has its personality and it has its own will um the more integrated and balanced and whole the self the more that uh, there is an inner conductor inside that uh, organizes and conducts all seven chakras of course in a efficient and integrated way but um there's still a, a distinct personality to each chakra um, and the way that energy is arranged is hierarchical. And the way that energy moves is from the South Pole up to the North Pole so that in that hierarchy of energy, the red ray has um, <clears throat> the first chance to greet and use that energy before any of the other six, six chakras do. It has its say first, then the orange ray, then the yellow, and so forth. But the red ray, <clears throat> if uh, for whatever beliefs, or distortions are blocking that ray, can hold up that energy and can restrict it from reaching higher. So um, seeing the will in those terms, you could see that the unblocking and balancing of each chakra is like a little surrender. The red ray is surrendering uh, its 
grasping and need for that infinite energy so that that energy may pass up to its senior level at the orange ray. And then the orange ray can do likewise the more that it's opened. And so there's a, there's a surrender at each level or each chakra until eventually the entire system is surrendered. It's open. It's a clear conduit. And the, the creator's energy is moving effortlessly and efficiently flowing through that uh, open chakra system. Ra used one analogy and said – or rather Don used the analogy and Ra confirmed that it's like um, – the creator playing a seven stringed instrument and we are that seven string instrument and we give ourselves over to the one <clears throat> as we do this self work that's my final thought yeah ross said in the balanced individual the energy centers lie waiting for the hand of the creator to pluck harmony did that come from memory or did you look at that out that quickly <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> it's still rapid and impressive. Well, I knew where you were going, so I found it a second ago. <laughs> Good job, guys. Okay, um, I guess that's the final thoughts? I think so. All right. Well, it's been a great show. I appreciate both of you guys helping out so much. It's a really yeasty situation we've got here with ideas uh, bouncing off of each other. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for us to use before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope you have a wonderful week, and we love you all. We hope you know that. That's always true, and um, we look forward to seeing you and you hearing us next week. Cheerio.